0: Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning, My name is Ugo Vallauri from The Restart Project. Today we're talking about the need for people to move online with all their activities during the pandemic, including employees and students doing homework or attending classes online, and what difficulties this has brought. In particular, we'll be focusing on some of the various laptop reuse projects that we've been seeing going on in London and beyond. I'm joined today by James Diamond from Hackney Fixers. Hi, James. Hi, Hugo. Great to have you back after quite a long time on the show. And James will tell us more about the efforts that they've been made uh, to provide refurbished laptops to those in need. But first, as we haven't been uh, on restart radio for quite a while since back in July, Uh, We have some news uh, that we've missed over the last few weeks. A very worrying story came from Vice, how the auto industry has put out a TV ad claiming that the right to repair could benefit sexual predators. Uh, This was quite shocking. An advert funded in the US by the Alliance for automotive innovation, basically representing all the major U.S. car manufacturers, is being shown in Massachusetts, implying that an amendment to a current repair law would aid predators. So there's claims that the question one proposition, which will be put on to votes in Massachusetts uh, later this year, will allow stalkers and other dangerous people to access location information on the vehicles of potential victims. The previous law allows anyone to buy an OBD reader to determine what is wrong with their car. This is uh, um, for newer cars. For our (laughs) listeners, it means that cars can be... Uh, seen by independent mechanics as well, uh, and to to do an assessment of the uh, sensors and other things that might have gone wrong. So, uh, James, uh, this seems like a typical case of scaremongering the public uh, with the excuse of right to repair. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there are ways to close any potential... Leakage of information, uh, while still maintaining the right to repair, it's, it's it should be easy to do.
0: Yeah, and it seems in in the U.S. we we see that this push uh, by lobbyists to really create fear and come up with arguments that distract people from the true meaning of. Access by independents to uh, all the tools that's needed to do their work, so that we're not in a monopoly where just a couple of companies can uh, service a car. Uh, this is used uh, very frequently to to try and refocus people's attentions away from what will be in their interest into something that certainly isn't in their interest, but is not true. <laughs>
1: It's a very uh, emotional call as well because uh, obviously victims of uh, stalkers will be uh, motivated to against right to repair unnecessarily.
0: Absolutely, and uh, hopefully uh, this will be not just debunked as it has been, but this debunking will receive sufficient visibility and people will be able to vote uh, for... Uh, a proposition that is in their interest. and um, Finally, uh, we read uh, just a few days ago on the Financial Times that the European Union uh, sounds alarm on the critical raw materials shortage. So the European Commission has found that the world's largest trading bloc, the EU, <laughs> is far too heavily reliant on critical raw materials that are coming from other global territories, which is something that we've been fearing and been aware of for quite a while. Uh, But most notable and potentially worrying in terms of the volatility are the supply chains involving China. This information is not just worrying because of possible global tensions, but also due to the supply chain disruptions that we've been seeing emerging during the pandemic. For example, 93% of magnesium, which is also among other uses, a key component in laptops is sourced from China. So there is an increased interest obviously on lithium, as uh, it's becoming an essential resource for the mobility industry, and obviously also for every battery powered device that we use all the time and so the, the EU is adding lithium among other materials to its critical raw materials list and there seems to be a push uh, but to um, increase a focus on potentially mining uh, in the EU uh, for some of these materials. Our partners of the European Environmental Bureau have confirmed uh, now that the EU has made this plan on critical raw materials public. Uh, And I'll quote uh, Jean-Pierre Schweitzer, policy officer on the resource efficiency at the EEB, uh, simply opening the floodgates to new mining projects in Europe would contradict the European Commission's ambition to keep resource consumption within planetary boundaries as set out in the Circular Economy Action Plan that was just launched back in March. What we need, and we completely agree with their take, is more efficient, recyclable and durable batteries produced from responsibly sourced materials to alleviate the burden on the planet. I hope, well, this might not directly Regard the UK after the 31st of December James but what what do you think Uh, do we need more mining or do we need to consume a little bit less
1: I think we need to consume a lot less um, (laughs) and we we don't need more mining we need a circular economy so we can reuse the critical raw materials that are already in circulation you know seeing them potentially ending up in People's drawers or attics sitting there unused or in even worse in landfill um, is just crazy and we we should be closing those loops and building a circular economy and building that into new technology as it emerges
0: yes, and linked to that there's the obvious taboo topic of how much we consume to begin with and uh, uh, it's, it's always a hard conversation to have uh, with everyone because, of course, more and more options have become available and people go for them. You know, like now I've been cycling in London the last couple of weeks and seeing with my eyes the increase of um, electric scooters that people ride on. And of course, this is something that wouldn't be possible without lithium batteries. And I, I don't want to judge any specific user, uh, of course, uh, as I'm recording this very show on a smartphone that with its own lithium battery, but it, it is something that we should be asking ourselves. What is the limit? Just because it's possible to design and buy new things, um, are we really questioning our thirst for Stuff.
1: Yes, I don't know how to react to that, but um, yeah, you're right. Um, (laughs) Do we really need it? I mean, obviously, mobility is very important. uh, And um, we're seeing a lot of projects in London to quieten streets and remove traffic, which is great, to encourage walking and cycling. Um, But like you, I've seen uh, the the rise of e-bikes and e-scooters. I think they can be good in... um, particularly at the moment with the uh, restrictions we have on public transport uh and also I've seen some of my older friends who've been able to continue cycling for a few more years rather than perhaps resorting to their car or whatever uh, as they get older um so yeah it's 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 difficult um we all have to make our personal choices um agreed <laughs> um but really the the device manufacturers and the regulators need to be thinking about um how we close the loop with these uh devices um, maybe we're seeing a big shift away from cars and towards smaller devices like e bikes and scooters, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing
0: absolutely and yeah i far from me the desire to judge a specific aspect or type of device but it's true that we need to uh, look at how can all of these devices come to the market in the first place as good quality batteries Mm -hmm. that can have Mm -hmm. a longer um, durability and recyclability and reusability whenever possible for new uses and uh, there's some efforts in that respect going on again, at the European level, to better label batteries as well. You are listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. Today we're talking with James Diamond from Hackney Fixers about London's laptop reuse projects. and uh, now to today's key topic from students to those suddenly working from home to the elderly to the disadvantaged many of us are struggling to remain connected and online at the moment we thought it was just during the biggest uh, more intense part of lockdown but we're realizing that things are not going back to the way they were for many many of us The pandemic has caused closures of workplaces, schools and public spaces like libraries, cutting off many people's access to the internet and a computer. For some, this is indeed a vital lifeline and means not even being able to get groceries or apply to government assistance. And evidently, this is not just an issue in the UK. Uh, Engadget uh, recently reported a story that was on... An Associated Press reported in California, schools worry that they won't be able to source enough laptops for students to start the school year as commercial stock is in short supply and schools' existing machines are in desperate need of ref- refurbishment. Uh, I've seen a number of 5 million computers shortage in, in the U.S. alone. As a result, there's been a heartening show of support from fixers in our community and worldwide and an attempt to combat this problem on whatever scale is possible. Uh, We at Restart have come up with a work in progress database of UK based laptop donation projects on our website, if you'd like to get involved uh, by donating or uh, by offering your volunteering skills. One of the groups uh, doing this is Hackney Fixers. Hackney Fixers is London's longest standing community repair project uh, after the Restart Project's headquarters efforts, and it's a project run by Sustainable Hackney. Alongside Islington-based community project Merit, or Mare IT, (laughs) they have been working hard to refurbish laptops and donate them to those in need. Uh, James, uh, what has the pandemic meant for community repair groups such as Hackney Fixers? Well,
1: it's been devastating, really. I mean, our model was holding public events, helping people learn how to repair, uh, helping the community basically retain repair skills and, and get stuff Fixed by uh, volunteers. Um, our first event, our event in March, was suddenly cancelled. Um, we were hoping to hold an event in September, but that's now been cancelled. It's now looking like our next possibly public event could be as far away as January. So it's put everything on hold, basically. Um, we've also found that um, venues are closed, so community centres and libraries are closed. Um, we were also looking forward to collaborating with the Library of Things, which was scheduled to move to Dalston CLR James Library in September this year. That's also on hold. So really, we were kind of wondering what to do um, with ourselves, with our volunteers, um, with our skills. We were itching to do some more fixing.
0: And. Looks like you've been keeping busy this summer anyway. How, how, what did you end up doing and how did you come up with the idea?
1: Okay, so it started perhaps as a lockdown project in the sense of wanting to get hands-on with some fixing. And I had um, some, lap- some laptops that had been rescued by my colleague Dave from his workplace when they were thrown out a couple of years ago and so I got them out and started looking at what was needed to get them working again uh, and I spoke to a, a friend who's a lecturer at a local sixth form college and he said well the students are crying out for these because 40% of our students don't have their own laptop at home they're struggling to do coursework on smartphones or shared laptops Um so if if you can do those laptops up and donate them to the college students, that would really make a difference to them. So that was the first phase was just to get those four laptops going. Um, Once we'd done that successfully, um, we thought about, well, there's there's obviously a need here and there's a skill that we've got and there's Laptops that I'm sure are sitting in people's drawers and desks at home, which they don't know what to do with. So let's get an appeal out there and start to collect some of these laptops and see what happens. At first, we were a bit unsure. We put up a blog post with a sort of fairly low-key appeal, asking people if they had laptops they wanted to donate. And we've been astonished with the response. We have had 29 devices in total donated. Um, and then we had the issue that did we have capacity to actually do them all Um, my first thought was well let's have a kind of socially distanced workshop with some of the other volunteers and we can work on these together but then the venue issue uh, reared its head and we were struggling to find anywhere to actually do this um, which is where the collaboration with Merit came in
0: so how, how does the project with uh, Merit work for you?
1: So um, they were already established at a community center in Islington and they were working during lockdown on um, refurbishing laptops that they had in stock already. Um, their main uh, work is training people in laptop repair. And as part of that process, they end up with, they have the tools and equipment to do this. Um, They had recently moved to this um, community centre in Islington and they had a small workshop available that two of us were able to go along and work there for a couple of days with them on refurbishing these laptops. So that was great, Um, at least it meant we had a bit more capacity, we could focus on the work and we had their support and equipment um, to help us. For example, one of the laptops we were working on had uh, some keys that were very worn by the previous user and we were able to relabel them using their label maker. And of course, they are experts um, as well. So uh, Alex and Mercedes were very helpful with offering advice and support and answering questions as they came up. So it worked very well for us.
0: I didn't know that um, keyboard labeling machine existed that's fascinating
1: (laughs) it's just a label maker you can make anything on it and you just dave um worked to relabel a uh, also worked to relabel a us keyboard into a uk keyboard for example
0: nice (laughs) so yesterday you donated five refurbished laptops to students at loriston school what does access to it mean for students
1: well, it's, it's really important. I mean, we heard the story from the college students about how many of them are struggling to access uh, IT, um, learning resources online. And obviously, adult students are more um, taking part in mixed mode learning, where they do some of their work in college and some of it online. A lot of the colleges are not opening their classrooms, they're working exclusively online but what's interesting with Lauriston school it's a primary school because we were thinking well you know kids are back in school do they actually need access to it they're they're working in the classroom and it was very um, heartening to hear yesterday from the the school uh, the the network manager there and the school business manager there that um they're they're desperate for these laptops because they have kids who have basically not been able to do access any learning resources during the lockdown for the last six months and they have fallen a long way behind with their schoolwork. So for them this was an opportunity to offer those kids some learning support, some additional materials that they could access from home uh, alongside their classroom-based learning uh, to help them catch up with their classmates. Um, So that was really heartening. There is a real need out there.
0: That's brilliant. Also, to remind ourselves that not everyone has the same level of access to begin with, before the lockdown takes its toll. So,
1: yeah, it's... I mean, this this what's called a digital divide in this country. Um, you know that a lot of us do have access to technology and use it all the time, but for kids growing up today, this is going to be part of their lives, and the sooner they get comfortable with it. Um, the the better it's going to be in the long term for them um, and it's just become such a vital tool for everybody I think
0: absolutely you've been repairing for a very long time uh, but with all the laptop refurb uh, work that you've done in the last few weeks have you learned anything new about repairing that you didn't know before well we've learned a lot um, we've learned from our mistakes
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh Um, But perhaps, most importantly, we've learned about some of the the barriers to repair. I'm not going to say bad things about Apple products, they're they're great products, Um, but we did have difficulty when we were trying to repurpose some of the products um, in, for example, persuading them to boot from an external device, and um, we also had the same problem with some Dell products, which makes it hard to install a new operating system. Um, We also found some Dell products wouldn't work with a third-party charger or battery, Um, and uh, they had engineered them so that, for example, you couldn't update the the BIOS, the basic input program, which runs underneath the operating system, if you had a third-party battery or charger. So these kind of um, protections that they put in for um, a, a really pushing people towards buying their uh, proprietary chargers and batteries, which are probably two to three times the, the cost of third party devices with equivalent performance.
0: Or perhaps uh, it, this has led people to give up on a perfectly reusable device because the price of the recommended spare would be so high that they prefer to just move ahead and get a new thing instead.
1: That's certainly true, yes.
0: And have you had any memorable, unexpected repair?
1: Well, what's been interesting is how some of the least promising looking devices have actually turned out to be really, really useful devices. For example, um, a little HP compact laptop that was hadn't been used for years. I think it was dating from uh, about 2008. It was covered in printer ink. <laughs> Not looking at all promising, but with a memory upgrade and a bit of a clean up and a new operating system, we're actually able to run Windows 10 on it in a perfectly usable fashion. Um, So wow, on
0: a 12-year-old computer—that's a 12-year-old computer, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah—and another one um, that was a bit of a challenge was a uh, Microsoft Surface uh, tablet which had user data on it, but no charger. And we thought, well, shall we go to the expense of buying a new charger for this thing just to delete the user data? Because obviously that's a responsibility as, as a, when you're receiving people's donated devices that so you, you need to be sure that their data is okay. Um, but it, when we actually did that, and when we also cleaned up the um, keypad, keyboard that came with it, um and reinstalled windows 10 on there it actually turned out to be a really nice little device that will run windows 10 perfectly well um so yeah, so, so there's there's gold in in these old devices There's there's you, you know usability still in them um they may not look very promising but uh you know persist with them because um Often you'll find something very very uh, very useful for some that will we'll find somebody will be able to use it, and that makes me feel good
0: <laughs> absolutely and do you think that despite the obvious strain on services and demand for laptops, this might finally open the public's eyes in a lasting way to the need to repurpose what we already have rather than buy new
1: I hope so. I mean all the donors who have given us generously given us these devices have been keen for them to be reused. Now they've often superseded those devices, they've fallen out of use for very different reasons, sometimes because they've been given a new laptop for work or whatever, um, They but they're keen for them to be reused and prevent waste and they don't know really what to do with them, um, and particularly have concerns about the data that may be on there. So I think there is, people are aware of the issue Um, and they are keen to take an opportunity to um, have their devices reused for what they see as a a good cause. Um, And maybe there's a bigger awareness of this digital divide that we were talking about. And for us as fixers, it's a very practical way to use our skills to accomplish that as well as um, helping to prevent waste. So in answer to your question, I think the public is becoming more aware of the need to repurpose what we already have.
0: And for any of our listeners very keen at this point to donate that old laptop that they just realized they still have and no longer use, uh, we have a comprehensive list of projects that people can donate their computer to on our website, the restartproject.com. Uh, Thank you so much, James, for your eye-opening and inspirational testimony of what it's been like recently. Thank you. So due to the pandemic, we're currently not running in-person restart parties, unfortunately, and we hope they'll come back soon. But we do have a few online events coming up and you can find those details on our website. However, if you'd like help fixing anything with a plug or battery, including headphones, radios and old audio equipment, Use the hashtag SOS Restart on social media. Just give us information on the make, model and fault of your device and we'll do our best to help. You can find more information at our website, therestartproject.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Thanks to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for our music which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs and discard electronics. We're here every second Tuesday of the month at 5pm. Until next time.